How many of you can identify with that? Wow, thank you. Thank you, guys, for reminding us that we are all sinners saved by, by grace. Take your Bible, if you will, and open them to Ephesians chapter 6. If you're a guest with us this morning, we have been in the uh, book of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians, for some time, and we have come to the sixth chapter. Um, we are about to conclude uh, this series of messages, and um, for a number of weeks we've been talking about the Spirit-filled life and um, uh, how we can um, uh, know that we are truly filled with the Spirit of God because it will affect um, our relationships. Um, it will affect the husband and wife relationship. It will affect uh, the parent-child relationship. And now this morning, Paul uh, comes to talk to us about how it also affects the relationship between employers and employees. I want to ask you this morning as I begin, how many of you, and I want you to be honest, and I want you to raise your hand because I really want to do a kind of a, uh, a, a survey, um, how many of you love your job? Wow. That's surprising. How many of you don't love your job? Well, we've got some honest people in the room. Um, uh, you know, there, there's, sadly, there's a number of people today who don't like their jobs. Um, you know, they just hate Mondays because they have to get up and go back uh, to, to work. The other day, I was coming through McDonald's, through the drive through and all you haters just, you know, who don't like McDonald's, just, it's just, I was coming through McDonald's, and uh, um, I, the, the lady at the window and I were exchanging greetings, and uh, when she gave me back my change, I said to her, I said, have a good day. She said, it's Thursday, one day closer to Friday. It's going to be a good day. And I thought, oh, my goodness, she speaks for so many people today. You know, uh, a favorite expression of ours is, thank God it's Friday uh, because we can't wait for the weekend. And um, what I want you to understand is, is that instead of approaching your job and thinking about on Monday, all, you're already thinking about Friday, I want you to understand that God intends for us to approach our work uh, not with the idea that we can't wait for Friday to get here, but even on Saturday and Sunday, we're thinking, thank God Monday is almost here. I get to go back to that job that I love. You know, I'm convinced of this. God never intended for any of us to be in a job that we don't like and we don't enjoy. God intended for us to enjoy our work. Now, that doesn't mean that all the circumstances related to your job are going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that everything's going to always work out. It doesn't mean you're never going to deal with any issues or problems or frustrations. It means that instead of looking at things as if they're a problem that you have to deal with and you have to solve, it's another opportunity for you to express your faith in the Lord and to demonstrate your trust in Him, that there's a purpose behind everything that we go through. 
Well, look here in Ephesians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul gives counsel to slaves who have become Christians. Now you might think, thank God we don't have slaves today in American society. This section of Ephesians, these verses, don't apply to us. Yet if you're like a lot of people in today's workforce, you may feel differently. You may feel more like a slave at your job than an employee. Um, You're disrespected, you're treated unfairly, no one listens to you, you're criticized constantly, maybe you're verbally abused. And so you can relate in some way, in a small way, uh, to what Paul is saying here. Well, think about this. At the time Paul wrote this letter, it is estimated that there were some 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. That's as many as one-third of the population of large cities such as Rome and Corinth and Ephesus. There were also many slave masters. And um, these slave masters and these slaves have been changed by the gospel. Well, as these Christians... Slaves and slave masters um, came together for worship. They learned that in Christ there is neither slave nor free. There are no distinctions in Christ over class, over race, over gender. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Well, after church service, of course... They would go back to their homes, and they would go back to work, and the question naturally arose, what now? Are we only brothers and sisters on Sunday? What should our relationship be with one another on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and throughout the week? Well, that question had to be settled, and that's what Paul is doing here in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. In the process, Paul sets forth principles that apply not only to the slave and slave-master relationship, but to the relationship between employees and employers in our day. How should we conduct ourselves towards those who work under us? How should we conduct ourselves towards those whom we work under that Um, cause us uh, pain or grief or make it um, uh, hard for us to submit to their authority? Well, the answer is back in chapter 5, verse 21. Look what Paul says again. He says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Friend, there's the key. You're you're never going to be able to uh, enjoy your work. You're never going to be able to um, deal with the difficulties and the frustrations of your job just like in a marriage. We've already talked about husband and wife relationships or parents and children as they go through their times of uh, testing and uh, difficulty. The only way that um, you can sustain a working relationship, a healthy relationship um, at your job between you, if you're an employer and your employees, or if you're an employee and your employer, is if you are first of all submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. It's that simple. And yet, 
that profound. If these principles which Paul lays out to govern the working relationship between spirit-filled employees and employers were heeded, conflicts between labor and management would be easily resolved without firings, without walkouts, without labor strikes or boycotts. We would have better relationships, working relationships um, at the places where we labor. Well, here's what I want you to take away from the message this morning as we talk about employers and employees. Employers and employees filled with the Holy Spirit mutually submit to one another out of love for Christ. Well, let's look here. Paul lays out the duties of both employers and employees. I want you to look first um, at the submissive duty of spirit-filled employees. So let's just read verses 5 through 8, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about both of these uh, duties. He says, Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart. Now look, this is important. As you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. <clears throat> and then he says, he addresses uh, the masters or the employer. He says, do the same to them, to your employee. Do the same to your employee that you want them to do to you. Stop your threatening knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with God. So let's look here in verses 5 through 8. Paul talks about the duty of spirit-filled employees. The first thing we note are the actions of employees. Paul says in the first part of verse 5, Bondservants, obey your earthly masters. Now that's the employee's number one duty, obedience. That term obey is a military term meaning to follow orders, obeying rules or policies. And most important, following and obeying work directions and commands. That is a basic part of what it means to be an employee. Christian employees are under the same obligation of obedience as a soldier under the authority of a superior officer. His obligation is very simply, do as you're told, listen to your boss. In other words, do your job. The only exception is when you're asked to do something that is immoral, unethical, or goes against your Christian convictions. <clears throat> Listen, if you know you're supposed to be in the office at a certain time, and you don't always uh, show up on time, and you're always coming in late and making excuses, um, uh, and uh, you come and go as you please, 
but you know you've been asked to be there at a certain time, then you're not being obedient to that person who is your manager or supervisor. If you know you have an hour for lunch and you consistently take longer than that, um, or whatever your time is, but you take, you stretch it out, then you are not being obedient to your supervisor's directions. Paul is simply saying, don't shirk your responsibilities. Don't disregard your supervisor's directions. Be obedient, obey, follow directions, do what you're asked. Um, and don't just do it when you think that someone is watching or paying attention. Um, uh, be obedient and do it as if you were doing it unto the, unto the Lord. The second thing we note here, not only their actions, they're to be obedient. But then secondly, Paul talks about the attitude that we're to have in being obedient to our manager or supervisor, the person over us in our work. So let's look. Paul points out three aspects of the spirit-filled employee's attitude toward their employer. First, he says, be respectful. Again, look in verse 5. He says, bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. Now, the meaning there is with honor and respect. And there is no place in the spirit-filled employee's life for insubordination, for contempt, or for mocking humor directed toward a supervisor or your boss. Paul is simply saying, don't lie. Don't to your boss. Don't steal from your boss. Take good care of your boss's property. In other words, show respect an honor for your employer. Um, God's word says that as employees, we must conduct ourselves with respect and honor towards those whom we work for. Not because we think they've earned it. Not even because they just treat us nice. But we're to do it whether we feel like we've earned, they've earned it or whether they treat us nice. Because we're doing it because God's instructed us to do it. Um, that's the first thing, be respectful. Secondly, Paul says, not only in your obedience to your employer to be respectful, but he also says, be sincere. Look what he says in the latter part of verse 5. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Now, the literal meaning there is, singleness of heart the idea being that we ought to labor and serve with an undivided mind in other words we ought to give our boss our employer um, our best doing our work without complaining without grumbling without being truly uh, in other words being truly committed to our job um, in other words, have a good work ethic. Focus on your work. 
Don't be distracted by all the other things going on in your life when you're supposed to be doing your job. Stay motivated. Finish tasks. Set goals and finish, accomplish your goals. These are things that will impress your employer. And we're to do our work without being lazy, without being disruptive in any way. We're to take our work seriously and give 100% or find another job. It's that simple. If God calls you to be a coach, for example, be the best coach you can be. If God has called you to be a salesman, be the best salesman out there. If God's called you to be a surgeon, be the best surgeon at the hospital. Take your work seriously. If God's called you to be a dishwasher, you be the best dishwasher in town. Why? Because you're doing it for God's glory and for Him. Paul says, be sincere. Take your work seriously. Whatever job you have, take it seriously. Focus. Do your work and be competent. Um, The third thing is be conscientious. Now, when the Spirit-filled employees are sincere about their work, they will always be conscientious about it. Look what Paul says, not working by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. I want to ask you a question. Are you a person of integrity? Well, let me put it this way. How do you work without supervision? When no one's standing over you, how do you work? Do you work just as hard when the supervisor is on the scene as you do when he or she is not? Do you work harder when they're around? Do you cut corners? You know your supervisor will never notice Paul is saying, take your work and do your job as you, for your employer, work for your employer, just as you would for Jesus Christ. Work hard with or without supervision. The spirit-filled employee does not just do enough just to get by. Or work hard only when others are watching just to impress people. Look what he says. As people pleasers. No. He or she works because to her it is the will of God. And is thus the desire of their heart. In other words, if I approach my job as this is God's will for my life. Then irregardless of what's going on at work, irregardless of my relationship with anybody at work, I'm going to approach my job serious, taking it seriously, working hard, doing my best 
because I'm working not for the people around me, not for the owner of the company or my manager or supervisor, but I'm doing it as if this company were owned by the Lord himself and it is Jesus sitting in the front office. Why? Because our priority is to please him. And he is always watching. Friend, when you do your work as to the Lord and not to man, your main concern is always your loyalty to Christ. What a difference that makes in our approach to our job. Every task done, every task accomplished to bring Jesus glory. Now, I think one of the best compliments you can get at work, especially out in the secular world, those of us in the church, we, it's just kind of taking for granted. You're doing everything you do for Jesus because we work in the church. I wish that were always true. Sometimes those of us in ministry can be just as selfish and self-seeking for glory as anybody out there. But if you approach your work out there in the secular world, and you're truly doing it for the Lord, for His glory, people will begin to notice. They'll see a difference in your attitude and the other people that you work with. They'll see your work ethic, and they'll see how hard you work and how serious you take your job, and they will begin to notice. And when they call you in and say, and begin to praise you and commend you for a job well done, that is an open door for you to say, I want you to know why I work the way I do. I do my job, first of all, because I'm appreciative that you have given me this job and that you have confidence in me to do my work. But I want you to know, first and foremost, I work for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my Savior and He is my Lord, and I want to bring as much glory to Him. Not just when I'm at church or not just when I'm at my home, but in my work, I want to bring glory to Jesus through well, this is why I got into this work, so that I could glorify God, whether it's through teaching, whether it's through being an accountant, whether it's through um, uh, being a supervisor, whatever work God has called me to be, it's because it, that's why I do my work, because God called me to it, and I want to show him my appreciation. You may say, how can I stay motivated to do my job? When at my work, I never receive any praise. No one ever commends me for my work. It's as if nobody ever recognizes what I'm doing. I'm never recognized. I'm never rewarded for the hours that I put in and the work that I accomplished. Well, look what Paul says in verse 8. Don't miss this. He says, remember that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Friend, God, if you're not recognized at your job, if you're never rewarded at your job, don't ever forget there is coming a day and when we all will stand before God and God will honor your faithfulness because of the fact that you took your work seriously and you were doing it as to him and not unto man and God will reward you on that day. Paul says whatever good anyone does he will receive back from the Lord. 
Now, he doesn't promise a change in your working conditions necessarily. He doesn't promise that uh, you'll be able to leave this job and go to a better job with better conditions or that your boss is going to suddenly have a change of heart and he's going to or she is going to suddenly become nice and treat you with respect. But he does promise to reward you for your hard work with heaven and all of the glories that go along with it. The question is, am I willing in that case to be patient and to endure maybe much suffering until that day when I stand before him and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, the spirit-filled first century slaves, as well as the slaves of the old south, knew this truth. They held it close to their hearts. I find it interesting that many of the well-known spiritual songs that we sing in our churches today were written by the slaves of the Old South. Why? Because in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of the injustices uh, that they had to deal with, those Christian men and women out there in those fields under harsh conditions in the heat of the day and in backbreaking work, they would long for that day when this life was over and they would pass on the glory and they would stand on the other side in that heavenly home that God had promised and there they would be rewarded for their work and all of the suffering and all of the pain and all of the heartache and all of the injustice of this life would be behind them and they would be able to enter into God's glory and they would receive the reward that God had promised. Frank, can I just say 21st century Christian employees must hold on to this hope as well? God may never change your job. God may never change the circumstances at your job. But God will never change his promise that one day, because of your faithfulness, you will be rewarded for the work that you did in, on his behalf. It may continue to be difficult but your faithfulness and your hard work is not forgotten by God. And it will be rewarded on that day. Listen, I know that some of you work in places where your boss, your supervisor may never appreciate you. They may never even notice the work that you do. But be assured, God knows and God rewards no good thing done in his name and for his glory will ever pass his notice. So be a faithful worker. Fulfill your responsibilities and do it with the right attitude. Be respectful towards your employer, your manager, your supervisor. Be um, sincere in your work. Approach your work with the right uh, motivation. Focus um, uh, on your job from day to day and do it with all of your heart and know that the Lord himself will see you, will observe what you're doing, and he will reward you for your effort. Well, that's Paul's advice then to the employee. He's saying, look, be obedient 
to your employer, to your supervisor, to your um, manager, whoever it is in a position of authority over you that you work under, Paul says, follow their directions. Do your job, do what you're asked, do everything you're asked to do unless it's something immoral, unethical, or goes against your Christian beliefs. And Paul says, do it out of respect. Respect that person that you work under. Take your job seriously and do it um, uh, with a sincere heart as, as if you're doing it unto the Lord and not unto men. Well, then he switches gears. Now he goes to the masters or the employer. And so in verse 9, we find the submissive duty of spirit-filled employers. Look what Paul says. He says, masters or bondservants, or um, he says, masters or employers do the same to them. In other words, everything he's just said to the employee, he says now to the employer, you do the same thing. Do the same thing that I've just instructed those under you to do towards you. Paul is now saying, now you do the same towards them. In other words, just as you want them to be submissive to you, Paul says, you be submissive to them. Stop your threatening knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with God. There are two points about the employers or supervisors that we see here. First of all, notice the mutuality of the uh, relationship. Paul says, masters, do the same to them. Stop your threatening. Just as mutual submission controls the husband-wife relationship, and just as it controls the parent-child relationship, Paul says it must also control the employer-employee relationship. So what Paul is saying is, if you're a boss, if you're an employer, if you're a supervisor of any kind, treat your employees the same way you want. To be treated. If you want respect, then show your employees respect. If you want your employees to take their work seriously, take them seriously. If you want your workers to really care about your business and to really do their best when they come to work, then let them know that just like you want them to care about their job, your business, then let them know you really care about them and their circumstances. Show the same interest in them and in their affairs as you hope they will show towards you and your affairs. Pay fair wages. Provide safe working environment. Treat your employees with fairness. In essence, Paul is saying, be kind to your employees. Be kind and considerate to those who work for you. You know, there's a good example of this in the Old Testament book of Ruth. 
<clears throat> if you um, uh, were to read, if you've read the book of Ruth, you know that Ruth is about a man named Boaz who was a very wealthy uh, business owner. He was a farmer. And whenever Boaz greeted his workers, the scripture tells us he spoke kindly to his workers. He would always greet them with the words, the Lord be with you. It was a word of kindness. It was an act of kindness that he was showing towards those who worked towards him. Boaz even gave instructions that when the wheat that was cut on his land, um, uh, some of the wheat was to be intentionally left so that the peasants could find something to eat. They would get the portions that were left out in the field. It was Boaz's way of saying, look, I understand your situation. I understand your circumstances. And I want to do something to show you how much I appreciate your hard work. I want you to know that you mean something to me. Here's something for you. And he instructed his workers, to his harvesters, to leave enough wheat out in the field so that the peasant workers could find it and have something to eat. Can I just say to you this morning, there's probably not any farmers in here. There may be one or two that I'm not aware of, but by and large, we're not farmers, but there are acts of kindness we can do towards the people that work for us to show them how much we appreciate them as people and the work they do. When's the last time you just sent a card to one of your coworkers, to one of those employees, and said, hey, just want you to know I appreciate you, and I appreciate your work, and what you mean to me and to this company. When's the last time you just picked up the telephone, called them one evening, not during office hours, but afterwards, and just said, hey, I was just thinking about you. I saw today you were doing this project, and it just made me aware of how fortunate I am to have you as a part of our team. When's the last time you offered to just take one of them to lunch and just say, hey, man, I just wanted to have this time to just show you how much I appreciate you and everything that you're doing? Paul says, Master's, be the same way towards your employees as you want them to be towards you. Treat them with respect. Take them seriously. Treat them well. Show them that they are important. And I guarantee you, there is nothing that will be a greater incentive for them to be hard workers than that you care about them as much as you want them to care about you and your job. The second thing we see here is equality. Now Paul says in the latter part of verse 9, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with God. You see, the spirit-filled employer views himself and those working under him as equals under God. 
Both are sinners, as we sang, as the quartet sang, in need of grace. The employer in the, looks at his employees. He sees himself just like them. We're in the same category. We're in the same boat. We're in the same position. We ultimately are sinners in need of God's grace. We both stand together at the foot of the cross in need of a Savior. And furthermore, because God is his boss or her boss, to whom they are answerable, he or she won't treat their employees unfairly. Rather, they will show them honor and respect as well. Friend, that's the attitude that those who are in positions of supervision or management or ownership, that's the kind of attitude that Paul says we ought to have. We ought to treat one another with mutual respect and honor. And don't ever forget that at the end of the day, we all have the same supervisor, the same Lord, the same master who is watching over us. And that is God. And one day we will stand before him and be answerable as an employee for how I treated my employer, how I've approached my job. As an employer, how I entreated those who worked for me or under me and how I treated them. Paul says, when employers and employees are both mutually submitting one to another, that will create an environment in which both the boss and the worker will go to bed on Sunday night saying, I can't wait for tomorrow morning because I get to go back to a job that I love and I appreciate. Chick-fil-A as we all know, most of us, is a family-owned, privately held restaurant company based out of Atlanta. Chick-fil-A was founded in 1967 by S. Truett Cathy. Known for its original chicken sandwich, Chick-fil-A serves freshly prepared food in more than 2,300 restaurants in 47 states and Washington, D.C. Last year, Chick-fil-A reported more than $10 billion in revenue, which marks 51 consecutive years of sales growth. Chick-fil-A was recognized as one of the top 100 best places to work by Glassdoor in 19 in 2017. If you go on their um, website, you will find this message about employment at Chick-fil-A. It says, welcome to Chick-fil-A. Whether you're checking us out for the first time, hungry for a career move, or just curious about what makes us unique, you've come to the right place. Our focus is on the people we employ and serve. Want to join us? 
At Chick-fil-A, we believe work should be a place where you can bring all of who you are to the task at hand. Where people come before the bottom line. Where you can build a career that's more than a job. Where you can connect the dots between what you do and why it matters. We strive to build that kind of workplace. Our business is about people. People build careers here because there's something different about working at Chick-fil-A. We care for our people and give them the tools they need to take on meaningful work for others. It's what work was meant to feel like. It's work full of life. Friend, Chick-fil-A, in my opinion, has been successful because it operates according to the principles laid out here in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Paul calls all of us, employer or employee, to a single focus, mutual submission under the authority of Jesus Christ. So work hard at your job and do all for the glory of God, knowing that one day we will stand before him and we long to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. Lord, I, I, just, I, just, I just want to say on behalf of all of us here today, thank you for the work that you provide for us, the jobs that we hold. Lord, we know that every day is not always, doesn't always go smoothly. We may be going through some difficulties right now. We may be going through some things that are just irritating and cause us to question. But Lord, we just want to say that as long as you have us in this job, as long as you have us doing this work, Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to not compromise our Christian witness and testimony. But help us to have a respectful attitude towards those in supervision over us. Help us to do our job to the best of our ability. Help us to take our work seriously. And Lord, if it's your will for us to change jobs, then we'll continue to pray for that to happen. But until then, we just want to be faithful. We just want to do the right thing. We want to bring glory and honor to you, Lord. And Lord, if we're the one who works under someone, God, just help us to be respectful. Help us to take our work seriously. If we're in a position of supervision, help us not to be haughty or proud or arrogant, but help us to be humble to be kind, to be courteous, to show how much we care about those working with us. And Lord, help us all to realize that all that you've called us to do, all that you've asked us to do, and the positions that we hold are a gift from you. And that at the end of the day, 
What really matters is if we've been found faithful and we have sought to bring glory and honor to your name. For we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to